When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plant, it's time to Hemp Resent. Our radio resident Hempo Sapien, Vivian McPeak, will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to Hemp Resent about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. Welcome to the Hemp Present Resistance, the weekly radio podcast where you can get your PhD in THC because you don't just want to burn it, you want to learn it. Seeking to defeat the alternative facts of prohibition, one interview at a time and advocating for the plant, the whole plant and nothing but the plant. Join me for a weekly reefer radio rebellion against prohibition as I speak with some of the principal risk takers, movers and shakers and history makers of the global cannabis industry, culture and reform movement. I'm your host, Vivian McPeak. I am the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis policy reform event. The Seattle Hemp Fest, entering its 27th year, found at hempfest.org. I'm also the author of the book, Protestable, a 20-year retrospective of Seattle Hemp Fest from AHA Publishing, also found at hempfest.org. Today's guest on Hemp Present is Rashawn Everett, founder of the Greenwood Project, who will join me in about 60 seconds. It is simply indisputable that our society is and has been historically dominated by, largely controlled by, and unfairly defined by white culture. And while that's been slowly changing in recent years, white culture and its dominant media institutions have historically stereotyped, marginalized, and pigeonholed people of color into a narrow selection of social and industry categories. Characterizations of successful African Americans have tended to be limited to those of a few select categories. But the truth is that there are and have been successful African Americans in virtually all walks of life that have made considerable and equal contributions to our society and beyond. But there remains one particular industry that is currently still alarmingly white, and that is the nascent yet growing cannabis industry. While at this time, the American legal cannabis industry is limited to various incarnations in only eight states, any thorough examination will reveal that, by and large, the people growing, processing, packaging, and retailing legal cannabis are predominantly white people. Bill Piper, a lobbyist for the reform group, the Drug Policy Alliance, recently said that marijuana legalization without racial justice risks being an extension of white privilege. And an investigative report by BuzzFeed claims that as little as 1% of the 3,200 to 3,600 marijuana access points in America are black-owned. But perhaps the benefit of the cannabis industry still being in such an early phase of development is that there is still time to change that disparity. There's still an opportunity to carve a cannabis industry that is racially balanced, representative, and integrated. 
That is something that needs to happen, and my guest today is working to see that important goal become a reality. Rashawn Everett is a management consulting investment credit analyst with a financial degree from Howard University, and he's the founder and CEO of the Greenwood Project, billed as a revolutionary technology incubator, crowdfunding capital to fund and build high-growth startups led by minority entrepreneurs, and he's also the founder of the Evergreen Project. Everett has been, among other things, making an impact by creating a nonprofit dedicated to including minority in the cannabis industry. His organization is focused on recruiting and training eligible graduates of historically black colleges and universities to, to own and fund successful businesses in the cannabis industry. And he's in the virtual hemp present studio with me today. Welcome, Rashawn, to Cannabis Radio. Oh, thank you so much for having me on today, Vivian. Fantastic introduction. Uh, yeah, we have a lot of work to do, as you mentioned. Let, let's start off with what motivated you to become uh, involved in economics and the world of investment and, and specifically black empowerment? Was there a uh, experience that you had or is it just something that, that you felt you wanted to do? Uh, I think it was a little bit of both. I think the experiences that I were afforded kind of through college and being able to matriculate through Howard and earn some uh, some of the great opportunities working on Wall Street and at Morgan Stanley and Capital One, uh, the experience of kind of seeing how uh, investments take shape and uh, what type of populations and demographics are included in those investments, uh, being able to see that firsthand from the other side uh, kind of revealed the, the missing gap that was uh, uh, in communities of color. Um, it was really, really evident uh, early on uh, that we lacked access to some of the forms of capital and investments uh, that were available uh, to successful white men. Possibly one of the advantages of, of a new uh, emerging industry like the cannabis industry is that there are also new opportunities to kind of break ground and get in on the on the ground floor and to help influence and form the industry. Do you have an opinion on why the cannabis industry is so dominated by white people? Uh, yes, because uh, they put so many uh, black people in jail for it already that there's so <laughs> few of us left uh, that are still interested in, in engaged into the industry and so when you literally lock up um, the most successful um, you know cannabis entrepreneurs for one reason or the other um, you kind of, you're kind of left with people who aren't as either experienced in the product or be or afraid to follow the fate of other family members who have been incarcerated for it before um, so it kind of works twofold in, in that fear of uh retaliation from the police and kind of black people understanding that uh, some of the rules don't always apply fairly to us and that even if we do have a medical card or whatever business permit, um, you know, we're still subject to, I guess, unfair treatment. Um, it's really just scary and intimidating understanding and seeing, uh, you know, like I said, past family, friends, acquaintances uh, in jail for something that you uh, now aspire to be and do. Um, so when, when you kind of lose that leadership in the industry, uh, it, it's prevalent. And, and you kind of think back uh, to some, at least in Los Angeles, some of the leading uh, cannabis brands, uh, they have about 10 years in the game now. Uh, the, the brass knuckles, the heavy hitters, some of the uh, more premier, like I said, it, it kind of varies based on region. But uh, overall, you'll see that the largest even today in 2017, although it's an emerging market, have their roots in, you know, five, 10 years before, whether that's just kind of experimenting or building a brand, you know, obviously they're more full scale and corporate now, but 
like I said, a lot of those brands started five, 10, 15 years back. Um, and then people of color uh, don't have that type of uh, history to rely on, unfortunately. And of course, a lot of the states have laws that bar felons uh, from, from getting involved in the industry. And, and as we know, we've, we've disproportionately locked up people in black communities. Uh, and there's probably a little bit of a, a white old boys network uh, thing going on. You think that's a factor? Oh, definitely. Um, it, it's even uh, more apparent because we lack uh, traditional funding with marijuana businesses. So if you don't know anyone who has um, large, large amounts of liquid capital to kind of invest and give a chance to explore a new project, you're kind of uh, out of the loop. Um, and and those type, that type of capital... Uh, isn't readily available to people of color. Um, and we're, like I said, we're not talking about just loans, you know, with cannabis businesses. Um, it requires Bank- banking lots in of general. Capital. Yeah, yeah. It requires, you know, a high degree of risk. Um, so, you know, when there is money available in communities of color, um, the very money that is available is reserved for the, the lowest risk projects, obviously, of which cannabis doesn't apply. Uh, so the, the old boys club is, is alive and well and, it's most important because they have the money and it's hard to tap into that network of funding and, and finding the money if they aren't, you know, your relatives, if you aren't in the country club, if you don't know a cousin, a god brother, a, a distant, you know, that's how it works. And I'm sure in ways it just mirrors our, our all of our, our society um, on that level. You founded two primary organizations. Let's start with the, the Greenwood Project. What's the purpose and function of that company? So the Greenwood Project is a project of Obama's Jobs Act. It was a law that went into effect May 2016, and it allows people to invest in private companies for the first time ever. Uh, so long story short, back 80 plus years ago, uh, right after the market crashed and the Great Depression, uh, the government decided that people who didn't have a net worth of a million dollars weren't sophisticated enough to make investments. Um, the government said that they were trying to protect its citizens uh, from losing more money in volatile trades. And as a result, people uh, who are wealthy enough um, were exclusively reserved the right to invest in private companies. Uh, so this is where you get the term of an uh, angel investor. And not only is that someone who invests in companies, but it's actually a, a legal term for how much uh, money someone is worth, at least at a minimum. Uh, but anyway, fast forward May 2016, uh, this 80-year law has changed. And so now... Uh, this wealth requirement to invest in private companies uh, is abolished. And now anyone, regardless of their wealth, uh, can can pull money into a private company like an Uber. Um, And so just to kind of put some things in perspective, uh, if the founders of Uber, if Travis walked to your door um, four years ago and was like, hey, I have this great company, Um, I think it'll be worth a billion dollars one day. Um, You know, do you have a couple bucks to, you know, give me a chance? And, you know, and Vivian, you're like, hey, I, I think that's a good idea. I've had issues, you know, hailing a cab. You know, Uber may be worth a, a shot. You know, here's a, you know, let's say you just want to do $100. Here's $100 to your idea. Um, if if your uh, net worth wasn't at least a million dollars, it would be illegal for you to own uh, that stock in Uber, um, even if it was just a small amount of $100. Now, usually it's much, you know, larger investments. But the point is, regardless you can make any investment unless you are wealthy enough. Um, and so now that the wealth requirement is, is removed as per the Jobs Act, uh, the Greenwood Project is uh, collecting different projects, different businesses uh, in the cannabis industry, 
uh, traditional small businesses and others um, and are connecting them to regular investors who want uh, to invest in and own equity in these businesses. Um, and the cannabis industry is perfect uh, for the new system that allows anyone to invest. It's been uh, amazing so far. My guest is Rashawn Everett from the Greenwood Project. Uh, we're going to take what we call and hand present our first pause for the cause because there's flaws in the laws so we can hear a word from our sponsor and advertiser. We are just getting started, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Time to roll out for the people that let us hand present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Introducing 420 Cloud, ignited by MSIG, one of the fastest growing social apps around. The only app you'll need for all things cannabis. Find the latest cannabis news, videos, and stories, ranging from business and tech to sports and medicine. Start your career in cannabis by seeking, identifying, and applying for jobs through our expansive listings. For businesses, 420cloud.com features a full-scale cross-channel network, monetizing high traffic for big data conversion and analytics. Download 420 Cloud now from the iTunes Store or Google Play. MSIG.com is a publicly listed company on the OTC, symbol MCIG. At Alternative Vibes, our core values of quality, loyalty, respect, and honesty guides us in our mission to help families find peace and harmony through our products and services. Whether you are looking for a more natural way of living, shopping for essential oils, topicals, and edibles, or searching for a path towards achieving your goals, we are your choice. Learn more about our complete line of natural products and solutions at AlternativeVibes.com. Bringing quality of living to life. AlternativeVibes.com. Cannabis concentrates have been around for hundreds of centuries. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we're back with Rashawn Everett. Uh, Rashawn, uh, you've, you've, we talked about the Greenwood Project a little bit. Uh, you also founded uh, Growing Talent. What does that organization do? So Growing Talent works directly uh, with people of color, especially uh, HBCU graduates. So that's uh, historically black colleges and universities, uh, although we work with all forms of uh, upper education, uh, to just recruit eligible uh, entrepreneurs, business people um, into the cannabis industry. Um, and a huge emphasis of growing talent and something that I want to remind uh, the viewers of is just how many different ways there are to benefit uh, financially from the industry. Um, and that's referring to like ancillary services. So things like lab testing and uh, packaging and just, you know, pure distribution from a, a trucking logistics standpoint, um, education, uh, you know, retail opportunities, so training, uh, butt tenders, and then also education opportunities uh, from an institution standpoint, um, we have to kind of figure out how we can facilitate um, some type of education for the industry, like who knows how to grow uh, marijuana. You know, we, we have to kind of get some type of a certificate program and get people of color exposed to these new uh, job networks because uh, as we know about the, the $60 billion market share, but 
obviously we want to make sure in addition to this the ownership perspective uh, that we have our fair share of accountants, lawyers, uh, bookkeepers, drivers, bartenders, uh, event planners like you even. Um, everything involved in the industry, uh, growing talent works to recruit people and find a way that we can get them involved uh, however uh, closely they want to be. So like I said, whether it's as much as, you know, touching the plant and opening a dispensary or simply, you know, training the community or hosting uh, recovery shops, you know, even though I was going to be le- uh, legal, there's just so many opportunities in industry uh, and growing talent just wants to help people recognize that. And, and, you know, so in addition to growing or cultivating and retailing cannabis, it's kind of there's the picks and shovels factor, right, of all the various connected uh, industries uh, all the way into the industrial hemp industry. But but speaking of the, the former, uh, you have written Good Tree is only the beginning of a movement to destigmatize and legitimize medical marijuana services in order to facilitate more stable and prosperous local economies in the United States. What is Good Tree and how is it accomplishing uh, those goals? Okay, Good Tree is a pilot project of growing talent. It's the first uh, company to receive a medical license uh, under the new uh, 2016 provisions that came out. Um, and it will be uh, up for a, a new license in 2017. Uh, but it's essentially a pilot project that we're running uh, out of Long Beach, California now. Uh, so it's about 20 miles south of the city of L.A. Uh, and it's just really implementing um, the action plan. It's leveraging um, technology and different people of uh, color and, and really great products and great services all into one brand and delivering it straight to the customer um, it launched uh, July 1st, and so far it's been extremely successful. Uh, we clocked in over 30,000 in sales last month. Uh, we're on track to hit 40,000 this month. Um, we're still turning away over half of our potential sales because they don't have the California medical recommendation card. Uh, so, you know, it's about three months in, and we're running, you know, a million dollar business already. It's, it's super exciting. Um, and, and it's just kind of like a proof and pilot as to uh, what people can do, um, people of color and everyone in the industry, uh, if afforded a proper opportunity. Awesome. Uh, Rashawn, Daryl Hill, known for integrating college football when he was young a half a century ago, a successful businessman without any criminal record and a good amount of capital, he applied for a cultivation license in Maryland, and he was rejected, along with more than a dozen other African-American applicants for Maryland uh, licenses, uh, cultivation licenses. How prevalent do you think it is that other qualified African-American applicants are overlooked in the permit process uh, in the marijuana industry? Do you think that, I mean, it might seem obvious, but do you think there's a racial bias involved in the selection process? Uh, absolutely. Not only do I believe there's a racial bias, I believe more cities should follow the lead of Oakland um, and then here now in Los Angeles, uh, installing social equity programs um, to actually act as a sort of affirmative action, um, allocating licenses and opportunities to minorities. Um, it's not okay for a community, cities, legislators to expect uh, things to be even and fair now as part of a licensing process. Like I said, we have uh, so many of our leaders and entrepreneurs uh, in jail for cannabis. So when it comes to uh, licensing and giving out future opportunities, uh, it's absolutely pivotal um, that politicians are aware of the inequalities we face 
and then make an actual program to overcome and, and try and right some of the wrongs. Like I said, it has to be um, at this point, uh, I believe every city needs a, a, some type of affirmative action social equity program um, that works harder to introduce people of color, especially to the industry. Um, and then speaking on uh, Mr. Hill and his situation, um, it, it happens often. Um, like I said, you referred to it earlier with the Old Boys Club, um, and, and it goes into politics. Those licenses, uh, commissions, um, big contracts, as they usually refer to, um, you know, are awarded to people who look like them, who they know, who they went to school with. It's all networking, and so when you're, you know, getting people exposed or you're, you're analyzing these applications from people of color uh, and the people reviewing the applications, the people in power have no relationship, no empathy, no real understanding. Uh, we're going to get a lot more outcomes like Maryland uh, until people take the, the requisite step of, of saying, you know, something was, was unfair for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and we're going to make a, a disciplined effort to, to right some of those wrongs. You know, and, and let's, you know, let's actually identify the elephant in the room here, that the stigma, there's probably communities that don't want or, or, or would fear black-owned pot operations. I mean, so there's a lot of communities don't even want any pot operation, uh, recreational cannabis operation going on, right? Right. Uh, I mean, I, I say to those, uh, I, I think that um, marijuana isn't going away. I think that you can uh, try and, you know, protest or, uh, I guess, avoid it if you like. I, I recommend people instead try and understand the plant more. Um, understand the risk and understand uh, the benefits to the community because, like I said, everything has pros and cons. So um, I challenge people who are wary of uh, dispensaries to really, really understand uh, the potential benefit, both financial um, and to the actual population. You know, we've seen the studies where um, it's helped kind of with the opioid epidemic um, and getting people off of some of those drugs. Uh, so there's tons of different ramifications, and I think that uh, almost any reasonable person can find um, an agreeable way, uh, I guess, to adopt a, a reasonably run dispensary in their city. Um, and that brings me to my second point about reasonably run, and I guess you implied about Black-owned dispensaries. I, I think the oversight uh, is critical across the industry, just like it is uh, with any product. Um, and, you know, I'm not asking for... Uh, dispensaries of color to have certain rules or certain immunities. Uh, we just want an opportunity to follow the rules like everyone else. Um, and, you know, like as long as the rules are fair and, you know, enforced the same, I think that's all that we uh, want. And the best that we can ask for is a fair shot um, to follow the rules and have those rules enforced fairly. Um, so that's it and that's all. We only have about one minute uh, before the next break. African Americans have been just disproportionately targeted, prosecuted, incarcerated in the process of the drug war. Um, you know, a black male is more, more four times more likely to be arrested for pot possession than a, a, a black male. Um, there's, there's programs such as the National Minority Business Council and National Cannabis, Cannabis, Business and so, Cannabis Industry Association also working on getting more people involved in uh, the cannabis, people of color involved in the cannabis. How, how can people help increase minority representation in the pot industry? And we, we got about 30 seconds. I think just the general awareness is the first step. I think that getting involved, you know, following different movements, staying close to local politics, understanding what's going on in your community, 
Um, if there's a reason you're opposed to cannabis, go voice that. And then that'll also give you an, an opportunity to hear from people uh, who have a rebuttal to your argument. So my biggest uh, challenge to people is to just go get involved and find out more, uh, voice your concerns, um, and then be respectful and understanding and just listen uh, to a poison, opposing viewpoint. Rashawn Everett doing the important work. Uh, don't go anywhere. We're going to have another break. Hear our word from our sponsor, Advertiser. Come back with our final questions. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the hosts of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we're back with Rashawn Everett. Uh, Rashawn, your, your work is just so important, and, you know, it's just really so critical and impressive. Uh, what, what message would you like to leave with my listeners? I've got listeners on, on many other continents. What would you like folks to take away from this interview most? Just to get involved. Um, most importantly, stay aware, um, know that, um, you know, things haven't always been fair for people of color. Um, and, you know, we aren't asking for apologies. We aren't asking, um, you know, for you guys to admit you're wrong or anything else. Like I said, all we want now is just a fair opportunity to participate. Um, and I think that that's, you know, fundamental right um, for anyone. We just want the fair, a fair chance to follow the same rules uh, that everyone else has um, as far as minorities and cannabis. Um, and in addition, like I said, if you even if you don't want to own a dispensary, even if there's uh, just funds you're interested in investing and you want to participate in other ways, uh, then keep in touch with the Greenwood Project. We'll have tons of uh, different projects available for investment. Um, you'll get the link from Vivian later on. Uh, but stay involved with different opportunities. The Greenwood Project is connecting, uh, like I said, potential investors to all different lucrative forms of cannabis uh, ventures. So we'll have different types of festivals that you can 
uh, own equity in different types of shops and farms and cultivation uh, that will be available for investment. Uh, so just stay educated, uh, stay connected uh, via greenwoodproject.net. That's right, www.greenwoodproject.net. Rashawn, thanks for so, uh, so much for being on the show, man. I just really, really support what you're doing. It's just totally uh, you know, crucial work. Uh, that has to happen, man. So thanks so much for, for taking time to be on the show. Oh, man. Thank you so much for having me, Vivian. I appreciate it. Now, I want to get to a weekly feature here on CannabisRadio.com. That's the quote of the week, and here it is, and I quote, that formal market is already $6 billion. What's more, when you factor in the illicit market, we think total cannabis spending in the U.S. is already worth $30 billion. And that's Cohen analyst Vivian Azer in one of her firm's Ahead of the Curve videos. That concludes this installment of 100% on Cannabis Radio. I want to thank Brasco, my man in the control room, and all the Cannabis Radio sponsors and advertisers. Join me next week for some more reefer repartee and cannabis confabulation with some special hempo saping on a journey to justice as we silence the violence, increase the peace, and promote unity in the cannabis community with impunity. Because when it comes to prohibition, you've got the right not to remain silent. Act Activism requires a voice, so find yours and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. Until then, my friends, stay strong, stand tall, and toke it easy. Don't forget to email me at hempresent at gmail.com. The Hempresent theme song, Take Back the Plants, performed by Stickerbush and sung by a much younger version of myself. Turn up the music, maestro. I'm out. Marijuana! The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.